Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. How's it, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Lee Kwai. I'm here with Jamie Block. Hello, everyone. Jamie's back. He is one of our writers here. I'm sure many of you know him by now. Jamie, you're, you've become a mainstay. Yes, it's fun. <laughs> Jamie, also um, one of our more knowledgeable people about 40K, although not super knowledgeable. I don't. I know you get nervous when I say like you're an expert. He's not an expert, exactly. Yes, I, I'm knowledgeable because I work close to the people who are knowledgeable. There you go, which are Jordan and Grav mostly. Yes. Um, so we thought we'd bring you in to help us upgrade this Tyranid Swarm deck from the 40K products. This is the fourth and final of these decks. We've done all the other budget upgrades here. We're going to do the same thing. If you don't know by now, we add 10 cards, we take 10 out, $30 budget. We're trying to get these decks kind of quickly up to speed so you can battle with quote unquote real decks as quickly as possible. I know when I buy a pre-con, like I want to get into action with it like pretty fast, but a lot of times out of the box, it's not quite ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So that's what these are for. Uh, before we get into it, of course, if you want to get your hands on this precon or any of the other precons from the Warhammer 40k product, or if you, there's so many sets, right? Dominary United, Unfinity, Brothers War is right around the corner. Feels like four sets have basically come out at the same time. If you're like me, you have not got your hands on all of the cards that you want from all that stuff yet. Well, the good news is we are back with our old friends at Card Kingdom. We were sponsored by them for many, many years. We really do love everything about Card Kingdom. It's great to be back. If you go to cardkingdom.com slash command, that is a great place to get all of your magic product, singles, anything at all. Card Kingdom really has a couple of things that set it above the rest. And one of the reasons that I really love them is just how quickly they get you your stuff. I don't know if you use Card Kingdom a lot, Jamie, um, but they're the only ones I trust if I like have a gaming night like on the horizon and I want to get the cards in time to make sure that I'm going to play them at, like the next commander night. Yeah. I mean, I just have so much eagerness, even if I don't have a game night on the horizon, I just want those cards in the deck so the deck can feel complete as soon as possible. Yeah. And, and, and they really just are amazing about how fast you get the confirmation email that it has shipped. Like so often I will like, 
It's, it feels like I press, you know, add to cart, buy, checkout, done. And then I get a confirmation email, like within sometimes minutes of when I have, it's like, how is that even possible? Because they have big teams of people pulling the cards, putting them in, you know, and the other great thing about card game is they're very professional. They do this all the time for huge orders across all over the world. So your cards are going to come in really good condition. They're not going to make a lot of mistakes. Um, but if they do, they really have great service. And I'd say that's the other thing that really sets them apart from, you know, the rest of the biz, which is that like Card Kingdom is just a super classy operation, really great service. If you there is any problems, again, there's very few because they're so good at this, but they go above and beyond to make it right. So that's re a really great thing you can say about any company that you deal with. So again, cardkingdom.com slash command. You're magic players. You're going to buy magic cards anyway. You may as well just use our affiliate link. When you do, you'll be simultaneously getting the cards that you want and supporting the content that you enjoy. And then of course, once you get your hands on those cards, you want to protect them. They're valuable. You don't want anything to happen Ultra Pro is the game accessories brand that Jimmy, myself, many members of the team here at the Command Zone trust their own collections to. You know, we are the hardcore of the hardcore, right? Like uh, so many people here, that, like we have built our careers and our lives around magic in many ways. We have valuable collections, valuable cards. That speaks very highly of Ultra Pro that we trust them with the safety and protection of those game pieces, right? So if you want to protect your cards in the best way, Eclipse sleeves or any of the theme sleeves from Ultra Pro, Satin Tower deck boxes, Mythic Collection stuff is really great. And their playmats are really awesome. You know, I found the Ultra Pro playmats just last longer. They just look better than many others out there on the market. They just have sort of better colorization in the art and things like that. And of course, they have the IP from Wizard. So if you want to theme your 40k commander deck around one of these new legends, very possible, probable that Ultra Pro has that legend on a playmat, a sleeve, and a deck box so you can really like theme out your battlefield, which... You know, it always makes me feel like a, I'm dressed for a nice night out at dinner or something. I look fancy. I have my playmat in my deck box and everything, and they all match. Exactly, yeah. When you're an entrenched magic player, you want everything to look the part, down to the playmat, the cards. You want everything to look great. Yeah, you want people to be like, ooh, when you pull up. So uh, ultrapro.com slash command is the place to go to order those products directly from them. Of course... UltraPro will have products at your local gaming store, at your LGS. We like to support local businesses and local game stores if you can find the stuff there. But UltraPro has a wide range of products. You can't always find the thing that you've seen on Game Nights or Extra Turns or anywhere else uh, at your LGS. Again, UltraPro.com slash command will usually have that stuff. And they often have huge sales and discounts, so definitely check them out. And then, of course, the final way to support all of our content is directly go to Patreon.com slash command, and you can uh, get all kinds of perks, join our community, interact with all of us on Discord. We play spell table games with our patrons all the time now. We have... Um, um, exclusive content videos that we release there that are not released uh, to the public on YouTube. They're only available to our patrons. Get to watch extra turns and game nights earlier than everybody else. Lots of lots of perks going on. Patreon.com slash command zone is the place to sort of join that and find out what's there. Uh, we really appreciate all our patrons. They really keep us afloat. Okay. Let's get into it here. Oh, sorry. There's one more perk for patrons. It's that we shout out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to Ricardo, Ricardo Pila. Pila. Ricardo? You rock. You rock. Yeah, you definitely rock. All right, let's get into it here. Tyranid Swarm, Precon Budget Upgrade Guide. The rules, 10 cards in, 10 cards out. Total budget of $30. We always say this, but the caveat is we're going to leave the mana base as is almost all the time for Precons. You can always upgrade mana bases um, from Precons for sure, but they generally will function. So it's not where I would put... Like, if, if I'm like, I need to play this tonight or tomorrow night or you know friday night or whatever it is and i just want to make some quick changes to get it ready for battle i'm not probably not messing with the mana base too much i'm, I'm doing the cooler cards right yeah exactly all right let's talk about the new commanders 
Um, the face commander, the one that's on the box, which you can see, I got the collector's edition right here in front of me, um, is the Swarm Lord. Do you want to read it, Jamie? Yes. The Swarm Lord costs six total, three green, blue, red for a legendary creature, Tyranid. And it says, the Swarm Lord enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it for each time you've cast your commander, it, from the command zone this game. And whenever a creature you control with a counter on it dies, draw a card. And it's a base stats are five, five, but it will enter as a seven, seven, even the first time you cast it. So it's sort of a six mana seven, seven. And kind of gets bigger as the game goes on and it dies and you have to recast it or whatnot. Exactly. Okay, pretty cool. Um, let's read the secondary commander uh, that's in the box here. Megus Lucia Kane? I believe so. Okay. That is one and teamer. So one green, blue, red for a 1-1. One, one. So four mana, 1-1, one, one, human tyranid wizard. Uh, has spiritual leader. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put a 1-1 one, one counter on target creature. And then also has psychic stimulus, which is you can tap uh, the commander, or this creature, I guess. It doesn't have to be your commander. Tap it, add a colorless, colorless, so two diamond mana, when you next cast a spell with X in its mana cost or activate an ability with X in its activation cost this turn, copy that spell or ability, you may choose new targets for the copy. So there's obviously some overlap in the 1-1 counter department between these two, but Lucia cares about X spells and X abilities. Yeah, Lucia pulls you very specifically in one direction. And Swarm Lord does as well with plus one, plus one counters, but plus one, plus one counters is just a much easier theme to support. Right. The deck would have to be built pretty specifically to take full advantage of Magus Lucia Kane. Exactly. Okay. So I, I, we usually, the way we usually do these decks is, and we're going to do a breakdown here of the, the stats in the deck and everything, um, is we're trying to figure out based on looking at the deck, like which of the commanders, the legendary creatures that could be at the front of the deck. Like, there's obviously legendary creatures in this deck, but they don't have all three colors, so you couldn't run them out of the box. Mm -hmm. um, but you're always looking for, like, indications of, like, okay, which one should I run? Because some of these precons over the years, there's usually, like, one out of four, I'd say, where if you want it to be the strongest just out of the box, you often want to play one of the sort of not-face commanders. It tends to be better. So we're always trying to figure out if that's the case. I think in this case, it's probably not going to be unless there's a lot of expels in there. But let's look at the... Yes. Stats. stats, stats, stats. All right, the stats of the Tyranid Swarm deck. You, you want to go through the sort of sure. the basic stats here? Yes, there are 17 ramp pieces, Woo. which that is a lot, but the deck definitely will make use of them. Uh, there are seven pieces of card draw that do not rely on the new Tyranid mechanic Ravenous, but there are also 11 cards with Ravenous, which is a mechanic where a creature will have X in its cost, and if you paid X five or greater, you draw a card when it enters the battlefield. So there are arguably 18 pieces of card draw, but 11 of them cost at least six mana and are a huge creature. So... Yeah, the Ravenous cards, I wouldn't even necessarily call, call card draw because they're cantrips, basically. And they're like, you know, conditional cantrips. You have to spend a lot of mana to get the card. But seven might seem low. And I might say, like, with 11 Ravenous cards, maybe we are actually close to the, the, the 10 that we would normally have. Yeah, it depends on what your math is on how much you count the Ravenous cards. And, of course, if Lucia Kane is your commander and you are copying those X spells, they go from cantrips to, to card draw, putting yeah. you up a card. That's cool. Okay. Uh, there are five pieces of single target removal. A little low. A little low. And there are three board wipes, which seems about right. Yep. All right. Let's look at the deck specific stats. Uh, 
plus one, plus one counters cards, there are 19. So that's a pretty strong theme. What about X spells? You know, because of uh, Lucia Kane or Lucia Kane, that's kind of a question. There are 14 X spells in the deck, including those 11 ravenous cards. So there are really three that aren't the ravenous cards. Yeah. But that's closer than I thought it was going to probably be. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And there are a lot of ravenous cards that uh, have base stats that are not 0 0. Oh, so even if you put no, nothing into X, it's still fine. It's still fine, and you still copy it, because it's still a spell that has X in its cost. Interesting. Okay. And then token making is a sub-theme in this deck, and there are eight token creators in mm-hmm. the deck. All right, so that, it's not as clear-cut as I thought it was going to be with the numbers looking at that, you know, 19 counters, synergy cards versus 14X spells. Who do you think we should run as the commander out of this deck? Who are we building this around when we think of our 10 additions? Uh, 10 additions and subtractions. So I went with the Swarm Lord. It is close, but I think that if you want something to be the theme of the deck, if you have a commander that really only has functionality, if you are playing a certain kind of card, you want maybe even a quarter of your deck to be cards that are on that theme. So if there are 14 X spells now, even if all 10 of the cards that I added were X spells, that would get us there but it would leave the entire rest of the deck that is still more built around the Swarm Lord untouched. So I think if you're building from scratch, Magus Lucia Kane is sort of the more powerful, more interesting effect. But if you are just doing the 10 card swap for the pre-con out of the box, the Swarm Lord, there's more plus one, plus one counter synergies. It is a very strong effect in itself. It's the way to go. Yeah, we're cl- we start closer to that deck. And I would say, too, with only seven card draw spells, again, not counting the Ravenous cards, because even with Lucia Kane, you have to dump a significant amount of mana in to get that card draw. Swarmlord provides card draw whenever a creature you control with a counter on it dies, draw a card. So that will sort of virtually up that number as well, probably more reliably. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about the reprint value in the deck here, uh, everybody's favorite part. And this one, I'm going to say right off the bat, is pretty disappointing and eh, maybe outright bad. Um, We always got to make the same caveat, the same disclaimer, which is the prices we're going to talk about here are from before these decks were revealed. We have to do that because we always do that. And the only way for us to be able to compare these decks with decks of the past is if we're using the same baseline. Um, So the important thing when we say that to think about is like the actual specifics of the prices don't matter that much. When we say a dollar amount, it's not a literal dollar amount. All you can really do is use it in comparison to the other decks that have existed and we can kind of draw conclusions based on where does this sit on the continuum or the spectrum of where commander decks have been in the past. Is this on the higher value or the lower value side or things like that. But it's not a literal like if this the reprint value in this deck is 50 bucks, a literal $50 in your pocket type of thing. That's yeah. not how this works. All right. Without caveat out of the way, the total reprint value of the Tyranid Swarm deck... Oh, we should say. Sorry. <laughs> Keeping you on your uh, on the edge of your seat here. Um, there are only 36 reprints in the deck. And we've made this, you know, discuss- we've had this discussion around all the 40k decks. Just there are a lot more new cards in the 40k decks than there normally are. Usually we've got around 20. These ones have 40 or more. And so the fact that there are m- less reprints means that the reprint value of the deck is going to look like a lot less than decks of the past because if you have 65 reprints in a Commander product deck from before, this one only has 36 cards. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. Total reprint value of this deck is 3550. 3550, 36 reprints. We're averaging less than a dollar a reprint. 
Seems bad, even given all the caveats that we just listed, right? Yeah. It's bad. It's bad when you compare it to the past. It's bad when you compare it to the present. So, yeah, let's just compare it to the other 40K decks who have the same guidelines. They have a lot of new cards and very few reprints. So they're all the same baseline. The Necron Dynasties deck was $67 of reprint value. The Runas Powers deck was $42 of reprint value. And the Imperium deck was $53 of reprint value. So this is significantly lower. A little closer to Runas Powers, but still significantly lower. And way lower than like Necron Dynasties. It's almost half. Yeah. So it's, that's it's a pretty drastic drop from the first place. And it is, as we will continue to see, sort of close to third place, but in fourth place. Yeah, definitely in fourth place. We did this for the Necron Dynasties deck reveal, and I think the last video that Jimmy uh, did with Jordan, where we kind of tried to put these numbers in perspective a little. Again, it's hard because so many new cards. So if you've watched any other upgrade videos, uh, you might have heard us talk about something called interpolated deck price, which is a thing that Truck came up with. Truck is an applied stats major at UCLA, so we have to do a lot of our math stuff, which is basically like he went back through the commander decks from before for like three or four years. And he kind of took all the new cards and then averaged out the price of all of them together and just sort of flatline average. In general, what is a new card from a commander product's value? Because there's vast fluctuations. You Every once in a while, I get a Doxai Extortionist to Fairy's Protection was really high. But then the vast bulk of these new commander cards end up settling you know, at a pretty cheap price. And so what does that average out to? And then he sort of took the number of new cards in the uh, 40K decks with the reprint value, combined it, and kind of came up with what we're calling the interpolated deck price. So for this deck, the interpolated deck price is $78.47, which feels low, but without comparison and context, it doesn't tell us much because, again, that's not like $80 in your pocket. It's just a nebulous number. What does that mean? Well, we took the commander decks from the past and gave them the same interpolated deck price, ignoring what prices of cards are now. We took the reprint value at the time we usually take them, which is before they're revealed, and then averaged out the new cards and said, okay, what would they be? Where What would this look like in comparison? And so Commander 2021 was $130 adjusted. Man, those were good ones. Yeah. That's the Forgotten Realms, which you don't think of as like good value, but evidently they were. Yeah. Crimson Vow adjusted price was 90 bucks. New Capenna, the average adjusted price for all the decks was 111 Baldur's Gate, 114 we're seeing that they're all higher than this deck by a decent margin, and some are a lot higher. Yeah, they're all higher by this. And even if you look at just the reprint value in the decks that we just went through, a lot of those, even before you factor in the value added by new cards, is higher than the estimated total value of this deck. So disappointing, disappointing, disappointing. Just for comparison, let's also throw up the interpolated deck price from like the Imperium deck from the 40K product. It's 96.63. A lot more than that 7847. What about Necron Dynasties? 110.15. That's the interpolated price using the same math basically that we would use that we used for this deck. So any metric we're looking at here, it looks pretty bad from a value perspective. It's still obviously more than you're gonna pay for the deck for the most part. I guess not the collector's edition necessarily. Oh, we should say all these prices are non-foil, non-collector's edition. You yes. can't compare these foils to anything in the past because they didn't really do this before. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> so we're talking about the regular versions, yeah. Um, okay, well, let's look at the notable reprints in the deck. We always sort of break it down by cards that are $5 or more or cards that are $2 or more. And spoiler alert, this is going to be a pretty quick list because there's not very many. Yeah, 
We have Hardened Scales first up in the cards that are worth $5 or more, of which there are two. Uh, it was going for about nine sixty. Again, before deck reveals and everything, yep. Yep. And then we have Herald's Horn, which was going for about eight fifty. A solid tribal card, a solid plus one, plus one counter card. They are good reprints to have, but we're done with the $5 or more category. That was it. That was it. Two. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> don't hold your breath because uh, the reprints between two and $5 are one card. It is this card. It is Icon of Ancestry, another good tribal staple, but disappointing that that list had one card on it. Yeah, that's it. There are only three cards, three reprints in this deck that are $2 or more. Uh, I have no context because that's never happened before. No decks we've ever looked at over the course of the seven years of this podcast, or are we eight years now? Yeah, we're eight years now, have ever had a list that short. So that part's not great. I mean, I don't know how else to spin it. That seems pretty bad. We did one more thing here, which we normally don't do, but we were just looking for any context, anything that says like, okay... You know, the new cards are the nebulous part of this whole equation. Um, so at the time of this recording, these decks have actually been revealed to the public and there are pre-sales going on at cardkingdom.com slash command, for example, where we can maybe try and get some sort of knowledge on what the new cards are going to be worth. Again, this is pre-sales, so take it with a grain of salt because pre-sales are not where the prices end up settling, you know, a month or two months down the line. But based on the pre-sales of the singles from all of the Warhammer 40k stuff, what did we learn, Jamie? Yes. If you were buying all of the cards individually yep. from each of the pre-cons... Pre-sale, pre, pre right? Pre-sale prices. Yeah. Uh, Tyranid Swarm would be at the bottom. It's not that far from Ruinous Powers. It's maybe a $10 difference, about 165 versus 175 uh, But again, don't be fooled by those very high-sounding numbers. These are pre-sale prices. These will all settle much lower. Uh, but the point is, it's in last. And then, if you look at the top 10 most expensive new cards across all the decks, uh, this deck has the number 5 and number 10 slots only. It should at least have 4 and 8, because there's only 4. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, of the 4 decks, 2 appear 3 times, 2 appear only twice. Imperium is actually the only one, the other one that appears only twice, but it has the number one and number two slot. So it ends up, yeah. So it's I'll fine. take that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that just sort of sheds this deck in an even worse light in how it's performing on the financial scale in that it's the other one with two slots and it only has five and ten. For reference, uh, the cards in those slots, uh, just in case you're wondering which cards may be the ones to settle at the highest value, one is Shadow in the Warp. It is one red green for an enchantment that says the first creature you spell you ca the first creature you spell you cast each turn costs two less to cast, and whenever an opponent casts their first non-creature spell each turn, Shadow in the Warp deals two damage to that player. And then in the ten slot we have Toxicrine, three and a green for a Tyranid creature. It's a two-four with Reach, Death Touch, and all lands have tap, add one mana of any color, and lose all other abilities. So it makes sense. These are cards that are sort of versatile in a bunch of different strategies. But those are the two that are sort of emerging as maybe they'll settle in a high value spot. But who knows? It's just too early. Yeah. Okay. We'll wrap this reprint value discussion up or just the overall deck value discussion up. I think just by saying that I think it's pretty clear that it's this deck is going to be on the low end of the scale for 
commander decks as far as value. The only real big question mark that still remains is the fact that there's some speculation out there that the Warhammer universes beyond product w- might be tough to reprint in the future. Cards have like creature type Tyranid on them, so it seems unlikely they're going to be able to put those. Like, how do you put that into a, uh, you know, when we return to Dominaria for the fifth time or whatever? Maybe you can put it in Commander Legends product or something like that. We don't know what the uh, intellectual property contracts look like as far as their ability to continue to do that in the future. And so there's some people out there saying that because this might be a time when, like, this is the literal only time when they'll really be able to print this stuff, maybe in 10 years if a card or two wants to go in a lot of decks, they just don't have the ability to, to make it again, could cause prices to go up. I find that very unlikely because Wizards is clearly aware of this problem and I'm sure has a safety valve somewhere, you know, some way to do it. There's no way they would have got themselves into a contract that's like, we can never ever do this again. And this, if everybody wants this card, this is the only time once in 2022, you know, that they ever could have made it. So, yeah. but anyway, okay. Let's move on to the next section, which are, what are the best cards in the deck? And I want to say, like, we just were pretty negative about the reprint value, but it really doesn't have a ton of bearing on how good the deck is or how fun it is to play um, or how powerful it would be or anything like that, because value doesn't really correlate in that way to gameplay, right? Yeah, exactly. I think this seems like a very fun deck. I think that either commander, uh, either with an upgrade or building from scratch, is just a super fun experience. Yeah, and we've played these pre-cons now a number of times in the office, and the decks do what they want to do. Like, this deck will do stuff and be cool, and it feels very swarmy like it's supposed to. So, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a fun deck to play and play against. Okay, what are the best cards in this deck in your estimation, Jamie? Okay, so the best cards I picked, and for context, this is with Swarmlord as your commander. Not necessarily for commander as a whole. Number one, I have Winged Hive Tyrant. It is three blue-red for a 4-4 creature Tyranid. It has flying and haste, and it says other creatures you control with counters on them also have flying and haste. That's cool. It's a counters lord. It is a counters lord, and flying and haste are just maybe two of the most powerful keywords, if not the two most powerful keywords you can have in magic. People are not ready for haste, and people are not ready to block flyers. I mean, if and if you're casting your swarm lord and it's died a couple of times, man, you can put the beat on really hard. If it was like cast it, it's huge. It'd kill you right now. Kind of yeah. Video, yeah. If it's entering as an 11-11, you hit someone once, they have maybe one turn to stop themselves from dying to commander damage. Yeah, or they're dead right now if they got hit one time before. Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And that's uh, a new card, obviously. That's a new card. Yep. Up next is another new card in Exocrine. It costs X2 and a red for a 2-2 creature Tyranid. It has the Ravenous mechanic, which means it enters with X plus one plus one counters, and if X is five or more, you draw a card when it enters the battlefield. And it has Bioplasmic Barrage. When it enters the battlefield, it deals X damage to each player and each other creature. Ooh, it's a board wipe. It could maybe draw you a card, be huge, doesn't hit itself. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the fact that it doesn't hit itself is huge and a thing that it took me a couple reads to fully process. And the fact that it's just a scaling board wipe in a deck that is going to be trying to dump plus one plus one counters onto your creatures, play X spells that will be huge. It is not that hard to think about scenarios where this is... Not only a great board wipe, but a great one-sided board wipe. Yeah. Or even if you have a couple little creatures, if they have a counter laying around, you might draw cards when they die so you don't care that much. That's pretty cool. I like that card a lot. Uh, That is, of course, a new card as well. The last Uh, one's a reprint, though. Yes. But not worth more than $2, we know. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) It is Inspiring Call. You probably have many copies of this card, but it's still great. (laughs) Uh, It's two and a green for an instant. You draw a card for each creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it, and those creatures gain indestructible until end of turn. 
Yeah, it is awesome because it's a card draw spell. It's a protection spell. You know, sometimes it's both. Yeah, exactly. It can be a huge blowout. It's probably the best card draw spell in the deck. I think it's great. All right, cool. So now we know the best cards are. We've already uh, talked about the reprint value. Now we get to the fun part, which is which 10 cards are we going to add for $30 or less? Don't forget. And which 10 are we going to take out? But before we do that, we got to take a quick break. Hear a message from our sponsors. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. I'm here with Jamie Block, one of the writers here at the Command Zone, and we are talking about the Tyranid Swarm Warhammer 40 Day, 40 Day, Warhammer 40 40K Precon deck. It, it it feels like um we've been talking about this. Well, I was gonna say for 40 days, but no, for 40 minutes. Like Warhammer. Dominion United, Infinity, Brothers War, so much coming out at once, I'm getting confused. Yes, everything gets its 40 minutes of fame. <laughs> this is a cool deck, though, and we're about to get to the fun part, which is what 10 cards we want to add in order to get this up to fighting power as fast as possible. Jamie, before we list the 10 cards, you're the one that kind of broke it down and decided, you know, the list of things we're going to add. When you looked at the deck, you've played it a few times, played against it. 
what are you going into this exercise thinking? Like, what, what's your initial thoughts? Is like the types of stuff you want to look for to add as far? I just want to make sure everything is going to have a counter on it so that when it dies, you're getting to draw a card. And I just want to make sure that you're going to get through for big damage when your creatures are big. There's some evasion we saw in Winged Hive Tyrant already, but just making sure there's more. And, you know, 17 is a lot of ramp spells, but any that are just sort of above and beyond the level of pre-con ramp that you get, just making sure you have a six mana commander, you have a lot of X spells, just making sure you're going to be able to cast everything as big as you want to. Yeah, this deck has maybe less worry about having too much mana than other decks because, well, worst case scenario, you can just, you know, dump it into an X spell. You can figure out ways to use that mana. Yeah. So that makes sense to me. Okay, let's begin with the cards to add. Remember, our total budget is $30. What is card number one? Card number one is Master Biomancer. It is two green blue for a two four. I'll pick this up. So that you can read it. It is a creature elf wizard. And it says, each other creature you control enters the battlefield with a number of additional plus one plus one counters on it equal to Master Biomancer's power and as a mutant in addition to its other types. That's like a fun flavor bonus. The mutant probably doesn't matter as much, um, but obviously Master Biomancer will put two counters on things, but because you can probably put counters on it in other ways, now you can be putting insane amounts of counters when creatures enter the battlefield, right? Yeah, there are plenty of effects that make everything enter with one additional plus one plus one counter. This is just twice as good as that for about the same mana cost as those effects usually are. And yes, if you can put counters on this, then it gets three times, four times, however many times more effective. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right. the next, oh, oh, And sorry. that card is going for just 50 cents. Very cheap. Yeah. Okay, what's the next one? It is Fangren Firstborn. It costs one green, 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 so four total for okay. a four-two creature beast. And whenever Fangren Firstborn attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on each attacking creature. Ah, okay, cool. So this can get big, obviously, because of the deck, and then just continue to grow your army as you attack. Yeah, you want to be very aggressive in this deck. You are winning by attacking. Uh, getting the plus one, plus one counters is exactly what you want to do. Also, the art... Looks like a Tyranid, kind of. It's oh, the closest. I like that. You win sort of Vorthosy. Yeah, it does kind of look like a Tyranid. It's the closest I could find that is not a sliver and has anything to do mechanically with the deck. <laughs> that looks like a Tyranid? Yes. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the next card. This is a staple card oh, that, and that used to be very expensive, but it's cheap now. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Fangren Firstborn. $2. Yes. Very yeah. gettable. Yeah. Very, very gettable. The next card is $4, which is, you know, one of the more expensive cards on your list, but... Man, this card used to be like 40 bucks. Like I remember yeah. the, I remember a day, you know, not too long ago when it was very expensive. So They learned to reprint this card, just not here. Yeah. But it's still, it's good to add to the deck. It's going to be great. What yes. is the card? It is greater good. It is two green green for an enchantment that says sacrifice a creature, draw cards equal to that creature's power, then discard three cards. So this is great because you're obviously going to pump the power of stuff, but also with the Swarm Lord, when the thing dies, you get that extra card draw. Yeah, you're getting one extra card probably. Swarmlord itself, if you're in a position where you just need to sack it to find something, it's a 7-7 at least. You know you're going to have at least one huge creature, and you should have a ton of huge creatures to just dig through your deck with this. Also, this is sort of a flavor include as well, in the sense that the Tyranids are a hive mind that serve the greater good oh, of their Oh, and aims. also, they're kind of bugs, and there are bugs crawling over all over the guy in the art. That too. <laughs> All right, that was a four. That's a four dollar card now. That's insane. It's awesome. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, the next card, I'll read it. It's a 75 cent card. It's Forgotten Ancient. Three and a green for an elemental. It's a zero three, but it says whenever a player casts a spell, you may put a one one counter on Forgotten Ancient. That's any player, including yourself. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, you may move any number of one one counters from Forgotten Ancient onto other creatures. So it gets big and then distributes its counters, which is nice, I've always found, because, and people often forget that part of the card. Don't forget that part of the card, because people are like, oh, yeah, I want to kill the Forgotten Ancient, so you stop getting all those counters, and you're like, that's fine, because I already took those counters and put them on the other creatures. Yeah, there are a few effects out there that do something like this, but they only let you put them on one other creature. The fact that this one lets you spread them out literally however you want among your board just makes it really good in terms of making sure every single creature, you will draw a card when it dies. And this really punishes, like, you know, what are very strong decks generally, which are decks that want to cast like a lot of spells in a turn. So often you cast this and it comes back and it's already got like six counters on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was only a 75 cent card. So very budget. Very nice. Yes. All right. What's the next one? Up next is a $1 card. It is Clouth's Will. It costs X red, red, green. It's an instant with choose one. If you control a commander as you cast the spell, you may choose both. And the modes are either Clouth's Will deals X damage to each creature without flying or destroy up to X target artifacts and or enchantments. Or if you have your commander, both. It's a great X spell. Yeah, and it's the modal parts are nice because... Really, those are different situations that you find yourself in, in games, right? Yeah, and much like Exocrine, just having an X damage spell where you can scale it to whatever you need it to be to try to make it be a one-sided board wipe is huge. And just artifacts and enchantments, they are becoming the strongest card types in Magic. I say becoming, maybe they have been for years. <laughs> you decide. You tell us what your opinion is, but you uh, want to get rid of them. Well, and the downside of, X, or sorry, of board wipes in creature-based decks is that you often don't want to cast them because you're ahead on board or your board looks pretty good. And so this gives you an outlet to still use the card. It's not just dead in your hands. When I am ahead, you know, like I have a lot of stuff and that board wipe is not really what I want to be doing. You can be like, cool, then I'm just going to destroy, you know, three or four artifacts and or enchantments. And you always have that number of stuff that you would like to get rid of. So very powerful. Yeah, I like this card a lot. I think it's a little bit underrated. Uh, again, you said this already, but $1, pretty good. Yeah. All right, the next one is Rishkar's Expertise, an old classic. It is four green green for a sorcery. You draw cards equal to the greatest power among creatures you control. So probably a lot, considering the Swarm Lord is a 7-7 seven, seven and a minimum, right? Yes. Uh, and then it says you may cast a spell with mana value five or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. So if you do this, you basically played Rishkar's Expertise for a single mana. You could sort of consider it that way. And the great thing is you get to draw the cards first. So however many cards you draw, you then look at them, and they could be the one of those could be the card that you play that's five CMC or less, or five mana value or less, I guess is how we say it now. Yes. Yeah. Seems very good. I don't it know. just seems very good. <laughs> it's not nuanced. It's just great. You want to draw cards. There is the slim non-bow. Of you have a deck full of X spells and you don't want to play those without paying their mana costs. But if you're drawing seven cards, let's say, if you have your commander out, chances are you are going to have a card worth playing that is not one of those. Yeah, you almost never cast Rich Cards Expertise unless in your hand you have at least a four drop or something where you're like, listen, I hope I get something better than this, but I would be willing to play this. And drawing, you know, four cards plus playing this is a pretty good turn for me. Yeah, and I will say, even if I don't have that other card in hand, if the number of cards I'm drawing is something like seven or more, then you're, I'm still doing it. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, that card, uh, Rich Cards Expertise, $2, so very, very budget. The next card is only 75 cents. Yes. It's from the same... No, it's not. I was going to say the same plane, but this is from one of the cons planes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we're in Tarkir. There it is. Uh, this is Shaman of the Great Hunt. It costs three and a red for a 4-2 Orc Shaman. It has haste... And whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. And also, Ferocious, two and two Simic Hybrid. Draw a card for each creature you control with power four or greater. Which reminder, it is a four two itself, so it's always going to be at least one. Yeah, so this is a, uh, I love the haste on it too. Um, Come down, get bigger, help your other things get bigger, and then it's sort of similar. I think you put in a bunch of card draw, which I obviously like. Um, so yeah, this is one, one counter synergy plus card draw seems good. Yeah. It just checks the exact boxes that you're going for with swarm Lord. All right. We've, uh, we've got a three left here. The next one is a $2 card. It is Garrick's uprising. Uh, it's a two and a green for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, if you control a creature with power four or greater, draw a card. So that's just an ETB effect. Cantrips right away. Generally in this deck, I doubt you would play it. Otherwise, I guess you could play it early. You could. Just because what it's going to do is, is cho- uh, creatures you control have trample, and then whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. So I guess it would work if you don't have anything else to do on turn three and you know next turn you're going to play a four or greater CMC thing. Yeah. Or sorry, not CMC, power thing. The card draw on this is great. You're going to be getting it eventually, if not immediately. Also, the trample is huge. Because you are going to have huge creatures, you should have creatures that are bigger than everyone else's at the table. Your issue is just going to be that a lot of them don't come with that much evasion, and this just stops your opponents from chump blocking. Yeah, trample's really, really big when you're putting a bunch of 1-1 counters on things. I like what we've done so far, and I find this to be a very good strategy when upgrading pre-cons, which is add a bunch of card draw, because in general, that'll solve a lot of the other problems. So let's say that you have a problem where it's a mana hungry deck. Well, hitting your land drop every turn will make sure that your deck functions at least at a high level. And drawing cards is the best way to make sure that you hit your land drops every turn. Well, let's say the deck, uh, you know, has trouble winning or has, you know, sort of, uh, what are the words? The win cons are not super strong. Well, a way to sort of make sure that, or a way to fix that problem is just to have plenty of them in your hands, you know, or, or to have other options when you draw those win cons and they would be dead in your hands. So card draw just does tend to work really well for pre-cons I've found in general. Because usually the pieces are kind of there, but they're not consistent. And what does card draw do? Well, kind of adds consistency. Yep. All right, there's two left. Um, the next one is a classic actual commander from the old days. Vinny used to beat me up with this all the time. Uh, down to $5 now. I'm a little surprised. Yeah, recent reprint from Double Masters. Uh, it is Animar Soul of Elements. It costs green, blue, red, so teamer. Uh, it is a legendary creature elemental, 1-1. One, one. Protection from white and from black. Great. The weak- Super relevant all the time. I feel like every time I play against Animar, I'm like, I can't target it with like half my stuff, and I can't block it. Yeah, the best removal colors and, you know, the colors that you are not playing, so yep. you can still target it with all the things you want to put counters on it. Whenever you cast a creature spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Animar Soul of Elements, and creature spells you cast cost one less for each plus one, plus one counter on Animar. Yeah, this is pretty good, because Animar doesn't care if it got its counters from you casting creature spells or not, so if you add counters in other ways, it still reduces the cost, and man, all the X spells things. What was that red card? That's like a 2-2? Yeah. So green with a, like a big Animar out is crazy, because it'll add to the X, right? 
Yeah, I mean, there are 11, those 11 Ravenous cards, just Animar is one of the best ways that you can ramp specifically for X spells. And again, we didn't build this as the X spell deck, but also it just came with a lot of X spells already in it. So why not throw in a ramp piece that is already putting in work in every other way, but especially good with X spells? Yeah, because it'll still help you cast the Swarm Lord. It'll still help you cast all your creatures that have colorless mana uh, or generic mana in their mana cost. And the thing about Animar's cost reduction ability is if you can cast, let's say you have two ravenous spells in your hand and it's got five counters on it. Well, it's not just giving you five mana, it's probably going to give you 10 mana because you're like, oh, I just pay three for Exocrine and X is equal to five. And then I pay, you know, three or four for another one of these and X is equal to five again. Draw two cards and I got 10 mana worth of stuff off Animar. Yeah, you could you would have to draw very lucky, but effectively storm off with Ravenous yeah. through Animar. All right, very cool. All right. And only $5 for Animar these days, which yeah. is nice. Uh, the next card, which is the last card of our 10 cards to add, and the most expensive card on the list, it looks like you did what I often do, which is identify a card I definitely want in there. It's a little expensive, and then make sure that I'll save myself the budget to have it. Yeah, it, it had to be in there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what is it? Uh, it's Kodama of the West Tree. Uh, it's two and a green for a 3-3 three, three legendary creature spirit. It has reach and says modified creatures you control have trample. Modified means equipped, has an aura on it, or has a counter on it. Uh, and whenever a modified creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you can search your deck for a basic and put it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. So you rampant growth when a creature with a 1-1 counter in this deck's yeah. case uh, deals combat damage to a player. And this works if you have three creatures with counters hit, you'll get three lands. Yeah, it counts per creature. The The only thing that makes me sad about this card is I wish we could run more basics in the deck. Yeah. <laughs> because I just think you're going to get so many hits off this card. Again, it giving trample. I wanted to make sure there were ways to actually get your big creatures through to hit your opponent. That's huge, even if it didn't have the second ability. And it's a $9 card, so it is about a third of our budget, but we did well enough we were fiscally responsible up till this point, so we had enough in the budget to do it. I like that about it. Um, I, I like cards, and I think Animar is in the same category, where there are multiple lines of text on it, and all of them are relevant to the strategies in the deck, right? Like that, that is just good synergy. So, okay. Uh, we are going to talk about one honorable mention card. We try to limit this, but there's always some cards we come across where it's like, oh, I really could add it, but there's a reason not to. In this case, it's probably price. What is the card that's on our honorable mention list? Yes, and you will discover it is price. It is Selvala, Heart of the Wilds. One green green for a 2-3 legendary creature elf scout. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield, its controller may draw a card if its power is greater than each other creature's power. So if it's the most powerful creature out there. But notably, you can pay a green and tap Selvala to add X mana in any combination of colors where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Yeah. Selvala is nuts because it often taps for like a bajillion mana. Yeah, and just with X spells in the deck, again, it's not the mo it's not the majority of the deck, but it's a decent amount. It's so good with that kind of thing where just in theory each one is twice as big as the one before it. Yep. All right, very cool. Those are our ten cards. It was a twenty-seven dollar total budget. Oh, Selvala, we should say fifteen dollars. Like you said, that's the reason because it would have been yes. half the budget. But Savala is just an honorable mention. She's not one of the actual official 10 cards to add. Those total to $27, which is below budget. Very well done. Thank you. All right. Of course, 
10 cards are going into the deck, which means we have to make room for them. We have to take 10 cards out. Let's list off what those are and why we don't like them. The first one is, oh boy, I picked up a card and I'm like, how do I uh, pronounce this? We're going with Gearson Starn Kellermorph. Gearson Starn Kellermorph. There was a really cool animation in Game Nights for this one that I think Evan did where it's like, I don't even know how they made the arms and everything move like that. Um, cause he's, it's a three armed or four armed, person. three arms, three armed person with three revolver style laser guns, one in each hand. That's pretty cool. All right. Gearson Starn Keller Morph is one blue, red, three mana for a three, two legendary Tyranid human has ward two and its ability is three auto stubs. Those must be the names of the guns. Yes. Whenever, by the way, I love this card. Whenever another source you control deals exactly one damage to a permanent or player, Gearson Starn, Kellermorph, deals two damage to that permanent or player. So this has a very specific thing it wants you to do, which is deal damage in increments of one so that Gearson can kind of triple that damage in a way. Um, and I feel like that's not something that this deck is going to be good at doing. No, I don't think a deck that is trying to put a plus one, plus one counter on things is ever going to have a source deal exactly one damage. Right, because if it started as a one-one, it's going to be a two-two pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a very cool commander design to build around, but it is in this deck because of color identity, I suppose. And, and the you know, he is a Tyranid character. And I like that in the decks, they will put a few one-off cards that are clearly, you know, meant to be pulled out and put into other style decks, give you some other directions to go in so that, you know, you don't just buy this deck and can only do one thing with it. Yeah. Uh, this is going in my Tim deck, 100%, just in case you were wondering. That's what it's for. Mm-hmm. All right, what's the next one? The next card is Death Leaper Terror Weapon. It is two red-green, so four total for a 3-3 legendary Tyranid. It has flash and haste and flesh hooks. Creatures you control that entered the battlefield this turn have double strike. Okay. Boy, you need a lot of haste for that to be good. You need a lot of haste or a lot of flash if you're on defense, which you don't necessarily want to be if you're in Gruul. So... It's an interesting build-around. I think it has maybe less build-around potential than Gerson Starn. Right. But it definitely, the deck out of the box does not have a ton of haste or flash. Unless you have Winged Tive Tyrant out, best card in the deck. I think I would want to put this into the deck of a commander that gave flash to my creatures. So I know I would have that part. Or sorry, gave haste to my creatures. So I know I'd have that part. Because it becomes very powerful once you're like, well, every creature I play attacks now with double strike. Yeah. Yeah, that seems cool. Uh, all right, the next one we're taking out is Gene Stealer Locus. It is three and a blue for a Tyranid Human, which is a 3-3. Three, three. It says, whenever a creature attacks you, it gets negative one, negative O until end of turn. I should read the name of it for the Warhammer 40k people. It's Neurotrommel Rod. That's the name of the ability. They're doing that more, I think, in this set because of the flavor of 40k. Yeah, I like the flavor words concept. Okay. okay, so whenever a creature attacks you, it gets negative one power. And also, whenever a creature attacks one of your opponents, it gets plus zero, plus one until end of turn, so it gets plus one toughness. So it's supposed to disincentivize attacking you and incentivize attacking others. Yeah. It's just not quite a big enough effect for Commander. And the fact that the second ability gives a toughness boost rather than a power boost, I understand it might be a color pie break to put that on a blue creature, but it's just not that big of an incentive for people to attack your opponents. Yeah, what if it was... Minus two and then plus two in the other directions. It would be a little bit better. But yeah, this just... I just rather have propaganda or something, right? Yeah. Okay. Up next, we have Goliath Truck. 
It is a four-mana vehicle, colorless. Uh, it's a 4-4. Four, four. It has crew two and stowage. Whenever Goliath truck attacks, put two plus one plus one counters on another target attacking creature. Okay. It gives plus one plus one counters, but four mana four four that isn't a creature on its own that you have to crew, you can just get such a better rate. You can get a four four for four that is giving you benefits. I would think also like a deck like this that is growing the size of its creatures, you generally don't want to use those to then crew something. Yeah, there are a few, but not that many creatures that you would be happy to use to crew a vehicle. You want most of your creatures to be attacking. And those creatures that meet that criteria are probably going to, at some point, become big enough that you would rather just attack with them, too. Yeah, this truck is not that Goliath compared to the rest of the deck. (laughs) There was also a cool animation in the recent Game Nights for that card. Yes. Okay, Uh, the next one that we're taking out of the deck is Tyranid Invasion. Three and a green for a sorcery. Create a number of three, three green Tyranid warrior creature tokens with trample equal to the number of opponents you have. Dang it. I was hoping that was going to be something I could control. Um, so create three, three, threes or, or fewer or worse if the game has gone long or you're winning already. Yeah. Again, just not a big enough effect for commander. Three, three, threes for four mana. That's. I'm not saying that's not good value, but I'm also saying that's not going to win a game. Yeah. Okay. Up next, we have Lictor. It is three and a green for a 3-3 Tyranid. It has Flash, and when it enters the... Or I should say the name again. (laughs) Pheromone Trail. When it enters the battlefield, if a creature entered the battlefield under an opponent's control this turn, remember this has Flash, create a 3-3 green Tyranid Warrior creature token with Trample. So this is uh, four mana for two three threes. Yes. <laughs> at, at instant speed, we didn't like four mana for three three threes. No, <laughs> we like it less when it's less. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's, uh, it's an interesting flicker target, I suppose. If you can flicker on an opponent's turn, this deck won't do that. Yeah, okay. And that, honestly, there's better flicker targets if you're oh, for building sure. around that too. Uh, the next one is Haruspex. It is three and a green for a 2-2 Tyranid. Four mana 2-2 has Rapacious Hunger. Whenever another creature dies, you put a 1-1 counter on Haruspex. And then it has also Devouring Monster. You can tap it and remove X-1-1 counters from it to add X mana of any one color. So as creatures dies, this gets counters that you can then turn those counters into mana. Yeah, this deck does not have a ton of control around when creatures die and how many. So you couldn't get into a situation where you're like, okay, sack these four things, tap this thing now, do blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think that there are decks that want that card. There are decks that can turn that card into a big mana swing on one turn, but a four mana 2-2 that sort of does nothing on its own and you don't have the best tools to make it shine is just not going not gonna to work out great. Yeah, because this can be a scary card if you're, like, attacking with it and you have a sack outlet and other creatures because it's hard to block because, you know, they, they're just like, well, they could just sack two tr- creatures and eat my blocker. And then there's got to be some combo-y type stuff you can do by sacking creatures over and over and turning that into va- basically mana. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, you, ha- you need the synergy for that to work. Yeah, the deck is not built to make the most of it. The deck has creatures die by forcing your opponents to block so they don't die. All right, we've got seven cards removed, three to go. Three to go. Up next is Bone Sabers. It is two and a green for an equipment. It has equip three, and whenever equipped creature attacks, put four plus one plus one counters on it. That is not a small power boost, but it is just three to cast and three to equip, 
and you can get better for that value. Equip cost of anything more than two is like real tough. Yeah, the blowout of your thing getting removed in response is just such a blow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Uh, the next one's a reprint, right? Yes. It is New Horizons. This is a type of card I generally like, but probably doesn't work good in this deck. It is two and a green for an enchantment aura. You enchant land, a land. And when uh, New Horizons enters the battlefield, put a 1-1 counter on target creature you control. Enchanted land has tap add two mana of any one color. So this is kind of like a three mana rock that enters the battlefield and puts a 1-1 counter on something. Yeah, it's ramp and a plus one, plus one counter. But the way this deck, uh, the way this deck's curve is... If you are playing this at the time you would want to from a mana perspective, you might just not have a creature to be putting the plus one, plus one counter on. And then if you get it late, it's just not doing enough. Yeah. I would look at this also as like, okay, what adds, what are we willing to pay to get one mana of ramp, right? It's two. Rampant growth, two mana rocks. We talk about this a lot on the show. We don't generally like three mana rocks. So for one extra mana, what am I getting? And in this case, it is a one, one counter that is not worth a mana, right? I wouldn't pay a mana for a 1-1 counter. Um, you know, I would want to get at least a couple because I wouldn't pay a mana for a 1-1 either. So adding one power to my board is just not worth a mana. Uh, the only way New Horizons and these type of cards are good is when you can untap lands pretty easily because you get added value from... If I would normally untap a land that taps for one, well, it's pretty obvious that two is going to be a lot better than one in that case. Right. Yeah, but this deck doesn't have that, so I can see why it's bad. Yes, just seems like the the worst among the 17 ramp spells right. that the deck and, was giving you. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then the last cut is Hierophant Biotitan. It costs 12 mana, 10 green green for a 12-12. I already know it. why we cut it. It costs 12 mana. Well, it might cost less. Does it have a, oh, it has a discount clause? It has frenzied metabolism. Okay. As an additional cost to cast this spell, you may remove any number of plus one plus one counters from among creatures you control. The spell costs two less to cast for each counter removed this way. That's not bad. No. It also has vigilance, reach, ward two, and it can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Okay, harder to chump it. Yeah, it's not a bad card. There's a reason this was the last cut. This was the last cut mentally in the process of figuring out what to cut. This was at the hair pulling stage? Yes. Of like, oh, I like all the rest of the cards. I got to cut one of them though. Yeah, and honestly, this probably wouldn't have been cut if its form of evasion were slightly more consistent. But the fact that they can still block with something with power three or greater you have, yes, maybe you've cheated on mana, but in this deck, removing those counters... That's a cost, for sure. That is a real cost. So I just think, even though you are not paying 12 for this 12-mana card, overall, you are still paying more than what you are getting for. Yeah, it's not like Galta or something, because you lose the power from the removed counters, right? So you've lost power, five power, let's say, if you want to play it for green-green. You get 12 power out of it, but it's really like only getting seven power, right? Yeah, in some ways. And also, presumably, that power that you're losing is on a creature that could do something right now, and this is going to have summoning sickness. So I I can see, like, it looks pretty flashy and pretty cool and, and probably can be powerful in the right spots, but it definitely has some downsides. Yeah, I think at pre-con power level, this card is a lot of fun and great, but if we are trying to get it to that next tier, it just doesn't make the cut. Okay, so those are our 10 cuts from the deck. Thank you, Jamie, for helping us walk us through all that. Now, we've been in possession of these decks for quite a while because of the delay uh, to the product launch. So we've probably had a better chance to play and observe these decks in play than almost any pre-cons that we are usually doing 
shows like this about. What have your observations been as far as how the deck plays? You ramp early. You're maybe the deck that does not really have a non-land permanent out until turn four because you spent turns two and three just land ramping. But then you just play a ton of huge stuff and your hand stays full. You're the aggressive player. You really just want to spend the early turns getting the mana you'll need to play big threats and just attack with them. Keep your opponents on the back foot. Yeah, this deck, when I've played against it, I haven't played with it yet, but I've played against it a couple times. Um, it reminds me of a Craig deck. And by that, I mean the way Craig likes to play the game is generally like huge thing that's very scary. And then Table deals with it. And he's like, cool. Huge thing that's very scary. The table's like, crap, deals with it. He's like, cool. Huge. And he's just like, it's all haymakers from Craig. He's never like me, which is like two mana thing, one mana thing, two mana thing, one mana thing. It adds up and it's scary, but like any individual piece is not yeah so just as far as throwing haymakers that's what this deck kind of feels like in my experience it is yeah we've learned that your play style is the scarier of the two but <laughs> if you're just looking at one card on a board it's pretty scary to see some 12 12 13 13 staring you down yeah and that's usually my fallback as far as politics it's like what no look it's all little stuff look at look at what craig just did that's way more scary mm -hmm. yeah so yeah it's fun though because um you know it's hard to answer this stuff after a while and we've this deck can definitely get there because it's just like listen the thing is it just has big and it doesn't matter because that's going to be good enough to kill me yeah it's a very cool feeling also to play that sort of classic battle cruiser magic of just i have a ton of big creatures and i get to attack and everyone just has to try their best to block you just you feel strong yeah and i like what you've done with the deck too i think it's going to have more of the ability and it does eventually get there with the pre-con but you know it has to kind of draw the right cards in the right order, but I think it'll have more of the ability to play multiple big things now, where it's not not like one big thing can you answer. It's like, okay, you answer the last big thing. This time there's two. And they're like, cool, okay, answer those two things. And you're like, sweet. This time there's four. And yeah. it's like, uh, eventually we can't deal with this. Yeah, I can kill one of them. The other three are going to kill me now. Very cool. All right, to the listeners, what do you think of the Tyranid Swarm deck? Are there any cards you would definitely add to the deck that we missed, or is there a different direction you might take it? Are there any suggestions we talked about to add or take out that you disagree with? What do you think of the reprint value of the whole thing? Uh, that was a big part of our discussion about this deck, so I'd be interested to hear everybody out there and their perspectives on that. Please let us know in the comments on Twitter, on Discord, if you're part of our Patreon, etc., etc. And then, of course, if you want to get your hands on this deck, any of the singles from this deck, any of the other 40k Commander decks, any of the Infinity product, any Dominaria United stuff, or you want to pre-order Brothers War, which I'm assuming is going to happen very, very soon, cardkingdom.com slash command is the place to go to get all of your magic products, singles, whatever you need. You're a magic player. You're going to buy magic cards. You may as well use our affiliate link. When you do, you'll be simultaneously supporting all the content that you enjoy. And the great thing about being back with Card Kingdom, I'm so excited. We love everybody over there. Um, I kind of miss talking to the people, you know, for the last mm -hmm. year or so. So it's really good to be back. The best thing about Card Kingdom, for sure, is just the speed at which they get you the stuff. And we live in this world where, you know, it's one of the great things about the modern world is just how fast you can get things. And, you know, I, I got to admit, like, I've become sort of accustomed to that. And in your thinking, like you were saying, Jamie, when I've built a deck and spent the time to build the deck online, I, once I'm like, okay, I've got it, I want the cards right now and I want to play it right now. 
And Cartium is the closest you're going to get to right now. Obviously, it takes a little bit of time, but they get it in or they ship it to you as, just as quickly as, as it can be done. It really is crazy. Yes, you get the deck and you're still excited to play it. It doesn't take so long that you were excited and then you got impatient. Yeah, and the great thing about ordering from someplace like Card Kingdom, which is one place with one huge inventory, is you get it all at once. You can order through other services and the packages kind of come one by one. And if one lags or two lags, it, it lags the entirety of the whole thing because I can't play my deck if it's missing five cards. So that's another great thing about Card Kingdom is just get it all from one place and it all comes really fast and you get it all. Uh, so again, cardkingdom.com slash command. Such a great company, such great service. Um, we're really excited to be back having them sponsor the show. And then once you get the cards, don't forget, you want to protect everything. You want to make sure it stays in pristine condition. You want to keep it looking awesome on your battlefield, especially the Warhammer stuff. I liked how, you know, you even added a card to the deck and one of the reasons you added it was because it kind of looked like, you know, a tier and it looked like it fit in with the world. And I think people were fans of Warhammer 40k that's important to them well one of the really cool things is that Ultra Pro is the company that gets the licensing agreements with Wizards of the Coast to print the game accessories products that actually have the artwork and everything from the game on them so if you go to ultrapro.com slash command they have their own e-commerce website you can buy stuff directly from them. You can find the Warhammer 40k playmat with the Swarmlord on it, the sleeves with the Swarmlord on it, the deck box with the Swarmlord on it. You can make sure that your Tyranid deck feels fully Tyranid. Or maybe you want green Eclipse sleeves because, you know, the green is one of the colors associated with Tyranids and you want everything to be green. You can definitely do that. And not only does all this stuff look cool, it is really the best stuff for protecting your cards and things as well. That's the stuff that Jimmy and I trust our own collections to. So it really is going to protect all your game pieces keep them in pristine condition all right now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic jamie do you have something cool for us i do i have a game okay i have a game called backpack hero that i think will appeal to magic players even though this is outside the world of magic backpack hero every that time is, you say the name of it that's what i think of yeah every time there, to say times yeah every time i say the name of it that's what i think of <laughs> what is it doesn't sound i gotta be honest it doesn't sound like the most heroic thing a game really backpack here well like what what do you do with a backpack you what? fill it with stuff it is very much an inventory management roguelike. So you're going through a dungeon and you're fighting enemies and as you do, you collect rewards, but you are limited to the space in your backpack that's on a grid system. And everything- Isn't that just called an RPG? <laughs> well, somewhat, yes, but it really leans into the fact that that's its gimmick. So mm -hmm. there will be so many things where it says, you know, if a weapon is above this item, it gets this bonus. But if a weapon is below this item, it gets this drawback. Wow. So, so the game mechanics really lean into like where, oh my gosh, okay. Yeah, it is, a, it's pretty simple. It's still in early access, so more complexity and more elements will be rolling out. But it's just every run is different. Every run through the dungeon, you're going to get different items. It will play differently every time. But... There's real strategy to it. You have to sort of figure out what your strategy is going to be early on, like any roguelike, and just try to go hard on that strategy. But there's still the luck element of, am I going to get the items I need for this strategy, or am I just going to not find them in this run? Is it kind of like Slay the Spire in that way, then? Yes. Yeah. You're going through these little, little maps, uh, three areas with three floors apiece, with one final boss at the end. And you're kind of almost like deck building as you go then, but the deck also cares like specifically where the cards are, kind of? Yeah, it is very much like the same skill set and sort of... Uh, Puzzle solving? Yeah, 
those instincts that you might put into deck building, those will all be satisfied by this game. I've been having a lot of fun with it. It is what I do in the morning before I come here. It is what I do in the evening after I go home. Uh, you could it's say probably gotten... what I'm going to do tonight because as you explained, I was like, I love Slay the Spire. That sounds fun. It sounds like it's going to tickle all the same, you know, yes. little parts of my brain. Do not be dissuaded by the overly cutesy animal characters that you play as. Uh, I yeah. promise it is a deep, nuanced game. <laughs> is it, it's just on Steam? Yes. All right. Backpack Hero. There's a free demo, too, so there is no barrier to entry there. You can try before you buy. Exactly. I like that. All right. Uh, Big thanks before we go to our amazing team here at the Command Zone. That is Damon Lenz, Ashlyn Rose, Arthur Meadowcroft, Craig Blanchett, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Pridgen, Sam Waldo, Gaurav Galati, Truck Ty, Jamie Block, who's right beside me, Evan Limberger, Mitch Trafford, I suppose we should say Jimmy Wong, since he's not here, yeah. and special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who doesn't work directly for the Command Zone, but does a lot of the um, animations that begin the show and sometimes sit behind us. Although this cool one from 40K, I forget what card it's taken off of, but Evan did this, which is sweet, because I keep catching out of the corner of my eye the spaceship go by. I keep yeah. going, what is that? Oh, it's a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jamie, thanks so much for breaking down this deck and helping us to upgrade it for everybody out there. Uh, yeah, and thanks everybody out there for watching. We will see you next time. See ya. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com. Or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.